You are Locked On Bucks, your daily podcast on the Milwaukee Bucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm Eric Name, Milwaukee Bucks reporter at ESPN Milwaukee. Also the Milwaukee Bucks reporter at ESPN Cedar Grove, which isn't too far from the Milwaukee area, so I am actually aware of that one. Uh, that's not that's not weird enough. That's not a weird enough one, is it? Did somebody request that one, Eric? Someone, that was a request. That was a request. So if you have a, a town that you want represented, send it in, and I'll get it. Uh, but yeah, Cedar Grove isn't nearly weird enough uh, as we're trying to traverse the state of Wisconsin and find uh, all the weird towns that I didn't even know had an ESPN affiliate, but apparently do. And thus, I represent as the Milwaukee Bucks reporter at ESPN Wisconsin. Uh, joining me, as always, is my good friend Frank Men, who's also the founder of BrewHoop.com. Frank, how you doing, buddy? Well, this is my uh, this is my last time podcasting pre-draft because I'm I'm going to be busy Wednesday night. So um, I guess I gotta get, get out all get my, those takes, my, baby. Get out all my fiery takes. Um, uh, DeAndre Jordan will be a a, a janitor at a, a Motel Six in in five years. Um, uh, what else? What else? Uh, uh, who 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 do we like? Um, Luka Doncic will be a Hall of Famer. No, I don't know. I, I don't <laughs> know if I have really any fiery takes. Um, I, I mean, in general, I, I I feel like there's almost been like the backlash against the the backlash against perceived Luka Doncic skepticism is almost like going out of control itself. <laughs> if that makes sense, yes. Um, like some people seem so offended by the idea of Luka Doncic not being kind of the the like automatic number one pick that it's almost feels like it's like a little bit too much. Um, and I say that realizing that Doncic probably should, I like, I'm, I, I am personally, like if you didn't tell me anything about these guys, I would probably assume like if you didn't show me any mocks and you just told me like kind of just basically described to me like these prospects and their accomplishments, I would probably assume, well, geez, the guy who is like by far the most accomplished teenage European basketball player ever is probably going to be the number one pick, right? Like that would yeah. make sense to me. Um, and it's not to disparage, you know, the accomplishments of, of guys like Aiton um, or or Jaron Jackson Jr. or even, you know, Marvin Bagley. I mean, in particular, I mean, you know, I, I'm not a huge Bagley guy, but I mean, dude was super productive in college, right? I mean, it's, yeah. it's at a minimum, you can't say he didn't put up numbers. And Aiton, I think, also put up big numbers i mean these are 20 and 10 guys as, as freshmen in college and you know i mean again it's, it's not like they're being you know a lot of times obviously i mean even carl anthony towns right i mean playing on a really talented kentucky team you had to make a leap to to get to kind of what towns 
developed to, right? It's not like he was some big dominant player in, in college. So, um, you know, credit to a lot of the college guys for, for being really productive. I mean, Trey Young, Jesus. Trey Young's Ridiculous. numbers last year, yeah. insane. 27 points, 9 assists. I mean, uh, the idea of any freshman coming in and doing that kind of stuff is just insane. So it, it's a fun draft because these are guys that, you know, they're, sure, there are guys, obviously, they're always like the potential guys or lots of young guys. But it is interesting because, I mean, you've got, again, the most accomplished kind of young European prospect we've ever seen. And you've also got a lot of, you know, young American sort of traditional college prospects that um, that have done a lot. So I'm, I'm excited to watch kind of what happens at the top of the draft. Obviously, not expecting the Bucks to be in any way part of that. Um, but uh, very curious to see just because it, it seems like there is, aside from Aiden at number one, it just seems like it's a very fluid draft um, beginning at number two. And um, I think certainly in the mocks, even coming out today, Jonathan Gavoni from ESPN updating his mock, um, all the way up to where the Bucks are drafting and beyond, there, there is certainly a, a lot of fluidity, at least in terms of the way that you know the guys who do the mocks are, are projecting things. So it's making it fun, I think, for us as well to kind of watch and, and see who the, the latest flavor of the, uh, not, not the month, the minute, I guess, is for, for the Bucks at number 17, as well as all the other teams ahead and behind. Yeah, I think one thing that's interesting with the Doncic stuff, like, and I think this can happen from time to time, I don't know that anyone on the internet disagrees that Luka Doncic is really good. Like, the smart people that all of us listen to, read, tweet with, um, whatever else, watch their video breakdowns. Like all of those, all of those people say Luka Doncic is the best prospect, right? Like I don't, I don't really think there's any of those smart people disagreeing with that. Like NBA teams might not, and. Well, I, I hate to break it to you. Sometimes NBA teams are dumb. Like yeah. that, that happens from time to time. So, like, I, I don't know. Like, I, I've just seen so little dissension in Luka Doncic opinions among smart people that all of us respect. That okay, if the the folks from Kobe Stan come over and start talking about what it means to be a big and what DeAndre Ayton's going to be like, why are you respecting their opinion? Like, why do you care? Like, if all of the smart people agree that Luka Doncic is really good and the best prospect, I think that's good enough for me. Like, I don't, I don't need to convince those people otherwise. Like, I can... Yeah, I've never once convinced a Kobe Stan that at some point in Kobe's career he wasn't quite efficient enough. Like I've never been able to convince them of that because uh, they just think that that's how basketball is played. So why am I going to try to convince this person who wants to scream at me that Luka Doncic what, isn't athletic enough, um, doesn't play against talented enough players? Um, uh, uh, I'm trying to think what whatever other things people say about Luka Doncic. Like, what do I care? I really don't. <laughs> I don't care at all. And I don't know. It's just kind of interesting to think through all of this because one, I think it's um, you know kind of fighting back against NBA teams, maybe not seeing his value. Which I think at this point, it's just uh, it's kind of mind boggling to me to think there's one prospect that is a guard, shoots threes. Seems to be very functionally athletic. And he's put up crazy numbers. Like you said, the best numbers uh, a European teenager has ever put up. He's won the MVP of his league. Like He's done all these things. And NBA teams are still like, eh, I think we're going to go with the big. Well, 
that just might be on them. Like, uh, I think if you watch the way that the league is going, doesn't uh, a guard that does all of those things seem like the absolute best idea for the modern NBA? So I don't know. It, it, it's just weird. And again, we always kind of talk about, like, I feel like opinions get worse when they're reacting to reactions. And now if you're reacting to a reaction to a reaction, it's just going to keep multiplying and those takes keep getting worse. But I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm reading the situation wrong. And there really is some dissension among uh, the smart people that we all follow when it comes to the draft. So um I guess uh, any other any other general takes about the draft, or are you feeling good? It feels like uh, maybe big heavy in the first ten to fifteen pick. Like the lottery feels big heavy, which is kind of uh, a strange thing to think about in the modern NBA. Yeah, it seems like there's a number of bigs in in the kind of front end of the draft, and then it gets really big thin uh, from there on out, and becomes very guard wing uh, oriented sort of once you get probably towards towards around where where the bucks are picking you know you you've got mitchell robinson the you know former well almost western kentucky uh, <laughs> freshman um but other than that there's not a lot like i felt like last year there were tons of like rando bigs that you could have just nabbed anywhere from the you know kind of where the bucks were all the way through the second round this year it feels like it, it's much more kind of guard and, and wing heavy even though the top of the draft is very big big heavy so yeah, I mean, you can never tell sort of exactly how it's going to pan out, but certainly that's sort of the, the trend that we seem to be seeing. Um, and I think just to remind people, I mean, it's fun. Like, you get attached to your guys. Um, I think the older I get, the less... I, I still try to learn about players, but I I try to really not get particularly vested in anyone just because I feel like the older I get, like, the more the chaos of the draft and the difficulty in prediction sort of kind of comes back and, and i know we have like better models every year as far as like predicting you know which guys are maybe the guys to avoid right like the guys who look good but then if they're you know um projection and projection models like uniformly suck well that that should be a pro you know that should be a red flag right um but in general you know i, I don't know it, the, people are going to get the draft wrong right i mean there's going to be guys drafted outside the top 10 who are going to be much better than guys drafted in the top five and in three years we're going to say yep yeah, well you know that's the draft who knows right <laughs> um but if anybody dreamt of taking i don't know robert williams i'm i don't know why i'm picking him but like robert williams over you know mo bamba or something like that people would be like you are absolutely freaking insane right <laughs> And I get that because in theory, Mo Bamba should be better. It would be strange to pick him, the Robert Williams over him. But who knows, right? I yeah. mean, you really don't know. I mean, you're playing the percentages. You're you're playing kind of the 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 you know the odds here to think that you know kind of what which guys are going to be better. But um, we're always wrong about things, and always, um, you know, I, I think it just reminds people like people ever get so fired up about wanting certain guys and hating other guys and. I don't know. And then every year people just completely forget about how wrong they were in the past and, you know, just go back to being super confident in their, you know, barely superficially uh, informed opinions. So I, I, that's why I just, I just have a hard time really forming really fiery takes about any, any guy, especially as you look at the Bucks picks, it's just like, ah, eh, I don't know. He probably won't be that good just based on where he's getting picked. Hopefully he will, but we'll <laughs> see. Um, and, and obviously with the bucks, there's, there's been uh, a fair share of misses, uh, especially in, in the last few years. So, um, again, not that we should lower our standards, but, 
um, you know, uh, it, it's it's tough. It, the draft is a, a tough uh, nut to crack, and um, obviously the tough tough part for GMs is you only you only get to do this once a year, so the sample sizes are never particularly big for your draft history. So every every swing counts, and you know if you're John Hammond and you swing and hit a grand slam with Giannis at Kumbo, it's going to swamp potentially. You know you can you can make some mistakes after that. Yep. Um, and if you're John Horst, well. You know, you came in and uh, you got your Joe Alexander pick out of the way with DJ Wilson, and now it's time to uh, to start making some better picks. So, um, but we did actually hear from John Horst. Uh, I, I guess you finally got that media availability that didn't happen <laughs> right after the season. So it's true. Um, what did, what did you learn today? John Horst giving some media availability today to uh, to the assembled Milwaukee media. Well, before we go there, I just want to say I feel as though the time I spent researching Deontay Davis was not wasted in any way. No, uh, that was you've got to be available. <laughs> that that to me that was a great use of my time. There was the, yeah, absolutely. But yeah, those those type of things happen every year. So I agree, and, and I know some people have been like, "Well, why haven't you guys spent more time on the draft?" I'm not a draft expert. Like I, you, I think my process is pretty well known. In when I ask on Twitter, like, "Hey, has anyone seen a good video or a breakdown of this prospect?" Like, that's that's what I got right now. Like, I I will not try to ever tell you that I am a draft expert. So, um, yeah, I, I would agree with you, Frank. That I, I think uh, when I first started doing all this, and when I first. Uh, I mean, when I was more of a fan, like when I was in high school and stuff, I would obsess over this stuff. But now I've learned that, well, you know, they're going to pick someone and there's a bunch of other guys out there that aren't going to get picked. So all of that knowledge that you've learned about them may not actually be of any use at any point because you know what? A bunch of dudes that get drafted don't make it in the league. Um, so, uh, we'll kind of see what happens there. All right. Um, with John Horse today, uh, we got a chance to talk to him uh, along with the rest of the assembled media in Milwaukee. And I, I guess a couple things that stand out was someone asked something to the effect of like, like what would be a home run pick for you uh, this year? You know, like what's most important to you in this draft? And I, I thought the the answer John Horace gave was kind of interesting because he said, most important to me, I think like a home run pick for us would be a player that can impact our team this year as a rookie. And that's a hard thing to find at 17. But if we can find someone that can do that, that also has the ability to get better throughout their rookie year and play on their rookie contract, and then hopefully have a long career with the Bucks, that would be a home run. And, uh, Gennaro Armas from the Associated Press, like kind of went back to that and asked a follow up on that and asked, you know, is that, does that feel like a change of philosophy to you from kind of the time that you've been in Milwaukee? And John Horace said, yeah, you know, I, I think maybe that's even a change from, uh, like that. Yeah. I think, it, I think I'm trying to think of the exact words, but he, he said essentially, yeah, that is a little bit of a change. And I think it's an interesting, I think it's an interesting thing to kind of think about because I think, there is some level of importance to getting production out of whatever roster spot that may be. Let's say the rookie is the, your first rounder is like eight in the depth chart. I, I don't even know. Uh, trying to draw out this roster at this point, but maybe he's eighth. Like, yeah, you do need production out of that. And um, it is very difficult to find that from a rookie. So I, I thought it was interesting just to hear him say that because that, that to me feels like a philosophy that's a little bit dangerous um, just because maybe you're passing up on someone that has greater potential that, you know, maybe um, 
could get leaps and bounds better as, as you're going through this and maybe doesn't have quite as high of a floor as someone that could uh, actually be able to contribute this year. And, uh, but also maybe that means they have a higher ceiling. So I, I don't know. I just thought it was kind of, uh, to me, it was an interesting thing to hear him say, just because, uh, one to sort of admit that maybe this is a little bit different than the way that they've done things in the past. And then two, to kind of think of, um, I think the level of importance that the organization as a whole is putting on this upcoming season. Yeah, it always makes me nervous when teams try to view the draft as, as kind of a quick fix. Um, because again, I think, you know, at this point, people have probably heard us talk a lot about our, our bias towards younger players just because of upside and um, potential growth, you know, and, and being wary of picking, you know, guys who are more finished products, uh, thinking that they're just going to come in and, and give you, you know, a, an immediate boost. Now, I mean, look, Malcolm Brogdon would be the best example ever probably of an old prospect finished product relatively speaking who came in and certainly made a much bigger impact than you would have ever expected especially from his draft slot um but you know ultimately you know to me it kind of comes back to the idea of you know it's a star league and at 17 you're certainly not expecting a star clearly right um but look I mean you got Giannis at 15 Kawhi Leonard was drafted 15. I mean, we can go through the list of guys who were drafted in the second half of the first round who turned into even all-star caliber players. You don't need to get that, obviously. You don't expect to get that at, at 17. I mean, you know, you're more likely to get a Rashad Vaughn than, than uh, you know, a guy uh, a guy who's a lot better than that um, or, or a guy who's like a, a major rotation piece. But yep. um, there's going to be a guy available that is going to be good. And the question is, are you smart enough to pick that guy, right? I mean, we saw a year ago. Um, how much differently do we feel about the Bucks roster if they had picked John Collins or OG Ananobi, right? Or I Jared mean, Allen. Or, or Jared Allen, yeah. Um, I mean, again, none of those guys are like future all-stars in, mo- in all likelihood, but they have shown even in their first year that you know they have – kind of clear NBA roles that they're trending towards and that they can be productive NBA players and, you know, oh, and they're all younger than DJ Wilson, by the way. So, um, so it's, it's, it's tough because again, like those guys are going to be out there and, and the question is, you know, can you, can you find them? And I would say too, like good players tend to be pretty good early on, right? Like, I mean, it, it's rare for guys to be totally garbage as rookies and then evolve into like great players or really good players. I mean, it, it it's happened, right? Like Draymond, four-year college player, was I mean his numbers were abysmal as a rookie, terrible rookie. Um, Gary Harris played yep. two years in college, horrendous rookie season. Second season comes back and is suddenly a very good NBA player, and obviously he's developed into a really good NBA player. Um, so. Th- those guys are out there, but for the most part, like, and this kind of, I, I kind of talked a little bit about this when we were talking about, like, you know, the whole point guard versus wing debate about development cycles and things like that. Like, for me, I, I, I don't worry about, like, point guards taking a little longer to develop, and I also don't worry so much about just generally, like, young players taking longer to develop, just because I feel like if they're going to be good, they're probably going to be, you're going to get a good sense of that pretty early. And they're probably, again, they're not going to be, like, you know, you don't you don't get four years of Bruno Caboclo and then year five you're Giannis, right? Like <laughs> the 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 
the trend is is pretty fast, right? And even Giannis, who is, you know, if you look at like superstar players, could have been considered as big of a kind of project as any of them. Um, I mean, he showed flashes his rookie year, and by his second year, I mean he was a an NBA starter, right? I mean, he was a legit NBA yep. starter. So, um, so I, I again, I'd kind of challenge people to to kind of I don't know. I think we fall into these traps of thinking like, well, old player means they'll be good next year, young player means they'll be bad next year. Um, but then there'll be some like you know dramatic reversal over time because of age and things like that. Like, look, if you think the guy is is going to be the better player, then draft that guy. And if he's going to be a little worse in the short term, I mean that you're not going to care about that in the big picture. I, I anyway. So I, I I'm probably just preaching to the choir. I don't know if this is a very I don't think it's a very controversial take. But I think anytime I hear people t- you know allude to like getting a contributor right away or having any bias that way. I get a little nervous just because again I, I just I just don't think you necessarily should approach the draft that way and again it's not like the Bucks need a guy to be you know they don't need to get their starting shooting guard from the draft right um, there are there will be absolutely opportunities for whoever they draft to play next year um, I mean I guess you'd say depending a little bit on the position but whoever they draft will have a chance right and I think yep. the question is you know can they step up and actually take advantage of it right are you going to be Malcolm Brogdon two years ago, or are you going to be DJ Wilson last year, right? And that's that's obviously a big question, and ultimately it comes down on on how well you play and and whether you live up to the hype or not. I think a couple of interesting things there from what John Horse said today was one I asked specifically about age. Like, do you feel if you are looking for someone that can contribute right away that age is something that you know you feel more confident with that happening with an older player? And he said pretty much flat out, like, no, like that. It wouldn't be age. Like we are looking for you know positional size and uh, a number of different factors, but age wouldn't be one of them. So I guess that is somewhat comforting to hear and then uh, i think the second thing that was kind of interesting to me was uh jp cadoran from spectrum sports asked a little bit about you know you guys have had success in the second round with a couple of picks as of late why do you feel like you've been able to maybe find something that other people haven't and john horse mentioned that he thought they've done a nice job figuring out where players floors are and identifying skills that okay you have this skill whether it's defense rebounding shooting whatever like you have a skill that we feel is translatable to the nba so in the second round uh we as an organization are looking more for you know to find those skills and i just thought it was kind of interesting that he would say that about second round picks that they've had success with which i think immediately forces my brain to ask that question what are you looking for in a first round guy like wouldn't you be looking for those same things? Like, wouldn't you be thinking, okay, even if we do want a higher ceiling with this guy, don't we want to have some confidence that this guy's floor is going to be there as well? Because as, and again, we, I don't know if there's anything to be gained by breaking down a DJ Wilson pick, because I think you and I both panned it pretty well um, on draft night and, you know, attempted to look at some of the ways that he could possibly be okay. Like, okay, well, switchability maybe is there. Um, even though he didn't really show a ton of that in Michigan because they ran some zone, like maybe there's some switchability. And then uh, I think we talked about, oh, well, you know, he, he's had some success shooting the three. Like maybe that's what you're looking for. And I think maybe I dropped a uh, potential Mirza Toledovich type of feel where he's not maybe much on the inside but can shoot threes and stuff like that from the four position as a backup and like 
as I think about DJ Wilson, like what were the skills you identified there? Like, what did you think was, was actually happening there? And I, I just thought it was interesting that he would say what they were kind of looking through, like what lens they're looking through as they're attempting to identify second round picks that may be helpful uh, to this roster and may be able to contribute. And in my mind, I just immediately thought like, okay, I understand you want to try to find ceilings, but like what, what skills do those people that have the higher ceilings also have that, you know, can secure that floor as well? Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I mean, do we want to um, anything else on horse, or do you want to jump into maybe some of the latest kind of mock machinations um, and and look at sort of how some of that stuff is is kind of trending? Because I don't know if it's going to slow down ahead of uh, Thursday night's draft, but <laughs> I doubt um, that it will. Um, I was going to say the only other thing that I wanted to talk about was um, you know just kind of. He was asked, like, what are they looking for in a player? Like, what skills are, are you looking for in a player? And he said, shooting will help us, defensive toughness, and rebounding will help us. Guys that have positional size will help us. Um, so, obviously, I mean, I think that pretty much describes a good basketball player, right? Like, that would be the, all the things that you would think about uh, that make up a good basketball player. But I kind of doubled back and asked, you know, we talk so much about getting players that fit with Giannis, and I was curious if he thought he had learned something in the last year about, you know, the players that might fit with him or players that would fit well with Giannis that maybe you found a few attributes there that would make sense. And he said, I think there's a lot of different things that fit with Giannis because Giannis has a great amount of skill set and different things that he brings. You've got to be a great competitor. You have to you've got to be a great competitor. You have to be a great professional and be serious to fit with Giannis. You need to be able to shoot the basketball, especially on the wings. I think tempo, I think guys that play with tempo and pace are going to be important. Then he kind of transitioned into this other thing, which I think is interesting looking at Bucks basketball going forward. He said, he then said, I think Bud with his system, and that's a big part of it beyond Giannis is also the system Bud's going to play in understanding that and why it's been so valuable to have him here and talk through the style they want to play. He's going to want to play at a faster pace of basketball. He's going want to play a game where they share the ball where they move the ball shoot it a lot you want to be able to pass handle and shoot at every position so guys that are offensively skilled and then compete on the defensive end are going to be really important for us and what i found interesting there was uh, the fact that obviously with Giannis, there was the idea that you need to be able to shoot the basketball which i think kind of I mean, again, logically makes sense. Uh, but then just the idea that the things that he thinks about first are you have to be a great competitor, you have to be a great professional, and you have to be serious to fit with Giannis. That um, I do wonder if guys that are more, I don't know, jovial or, or more jokey, or, you know, like, you know what I mean? Because like, I, I wonder in an interview, especially after we talked with, uh, with Mike last week, that Mike felt that you could kind of find out some of those things about their personality through draft workouts. I would be curious if, as they're thinking about that, if those are kind of those things that they circle, like, is this guy going to be a great competitor? Is he going to be a great professional? And is he going to be serious to fit with Giannis? Like, I think those three things are all things that maybe you could find out in draft workouts. Yeah. And, and like we talked about with Mike Clutterbuck last week, right? Not just the workout, but you know, this, the psych testing, the interviews, all those kinds of, kind of things, right? Like the whole, the whole process, right? Like getting, getting time, getting a chance to really understand what somebody's about and, and getting past, you know, just watching a guy's film, right? Which it starts with that stuff, but then the research, right? The background checks, talking to people around them, understanding kind of what makes them tick. Um, it, that's the tough part, right? Like, cause that's, that's so much of the projection is whether guys are going to put the work in, whether they have the good hat on their shoulders, whether they have the drive 
you know, kind of the, the, the ticking uh, upstairs, you know, kind of the, the, the brain and, and, and everything that it takes to, to get from being a hopefully good college player. But obviously some of these guys are not even particularly good college players, right? I mean, they, yeah. a lot of these guys haven't even accomplished that much, especially the freshmen in college. So to, to make that leap and then not just, you know, be able to, you know, swim rather than sink at the NBA level, but to really excel, um, you know, it's it's remarkable to look at like what it took for a guy like Giannis to get there, right? I mean, Giannis probably went through as big of a physical transformation as you're going to find from a draft pick, um, and and obviously most guys are not <laughs> most guys are not going to grow multiple inches and put on you know 30 pounds of muscle, um, but but that's also part of it too, right? Like projecting guys physically, right? I know that was something the Bucks did when they drafted Thon Maker, having to figure out you know can this guy put on weight, put on strength. Um, or is he going to be, you know, doomed to be this really skinny guy um, for for the rest of time? So, um, so yeah, I mean, it's it's a challenge, and obviously, these are the kinds of things that you know the teams have that we don't have. But also by the same token, you know, I mean, there are probably a lot of situations where you know it's it's you know analysis to paralysis or paralysis analysis, whatever whatever you however you want to direction you want to put it um but you know do you almost have too much data at some point do teams overthink it do teams reach for you know the workout warrior or the guy who has the good interview or you know whatever joe alexander sleeping in the gym and you know <laughs> selling himself or whatever you know do you do you reach for a guy when you know jesus just watch the damn game tape right yeah. and then you know the guy who is a lot better like why don't you just pick him so um so yeah, I, I think it's it's fascinating. We we obviously only see a fraction of kind of the complete story um, from the outside, but um, obviously we're gonna see we're gonna see the end product on the court, and that's ultimately where it has to translate. So um, I, you know, again, I I try to at this point I just try to largely see the positive in sort of a lot of the different guys, just so um, I'm prepared to to not be totally negative uh, <laughs> if and when the Bucks pick them. But um, but yeah, it's uh, I mean, especially at 17. You know, if you're in the top of the draft, there's a pretty limited number of outcomes that you can expect. When you're at 17, you don't know, right? I mean, yeah. there, there's a guy that that could be there, guys that will be there, uh, guys that probably won't be there. But you never know who might drop, and and teams obviously have, obviously have to be ready for for all those sort of eventualities, trades. I know that came up obviously in the the John Horse discussion, and you know, typically teams always try to talk about how they're open to making trades and all that stuff. But um, obviously, the Bucks have not really done a whole lot of trading or especially around their first round pick. Uh, we haven't seen a trade up in a, a million years. Uh, and for the most part, um, you, I, I, by default, I assume they're going to keep 17 and use it. Um, but uh, who knows? It, it could be a fun night. It could be an interesting night. And, and certainly a trade would, would certainly add to that. Um, only other things I'd say, like you said, he mentioned trades a couple times, and I think most GMs try to do that in this media uh, setting, just to you know make sure everyone knows that there's a possibility of anything happening and all these things could happen. So I thought that was interesting. And then uh, finally, like I said, that second part of that quote where he talked about Bud System a little bit. Um, no shocker here that. Uh, a team would like to play faster pace. Um, I don't think, I think the next team that says they want to play at a slower pace will be the first team that says they've ever wanted to play at a slower pace. So maybe not all that surprising there, but I thought, and I tweeted this out that you want to be able to pass handle and shoot at every position. 
that feels like an ethos for what you're trying to build, uh, for in, especially in a Mike Boonholzer system. That with the way that they play, um, you know, where there maybe isn't as much ISO, and you are looking for more of that beautiful basketball pass, handle, and shoot at every possession or at every position. Excuse me. Feels like, I mean, that feels like a a pretty big thing to say. So um, I think that's about it there. Um, looking at some of the different mocks, we've been kind of going through some of this and attempting to figure out who some of these players might be. And there was at 17 now for a little while, it had been Jerome Robinson. Um, and we mentioned the other night that he was on a, a bunch of mocks in that spot. And he was also someone that uh, our friend Cole Zwicker had said, uh, he might be the worst defensive prospect I've seen this year. Um, and uh, I don't know that you should feel all that confident about that. Um, and, and I was just kind of curious because obviously we talked a little bit about Elio Kobo last night and I feel like watching some of Jerome Robbins stuff, reading some about him. Um, I, I know there's this kind of thought that he's just th- this really great scorer, And obviously he put up huge numbers at Boston college last year. And I guess as I kind of look through them, like, I feel like Jerome Robinson and Ali Okobo are, are pretty similar players. And then uh, I actually, Sam Vecini came out with his newest mock today. And uh, it said, you know, if you have some questions or whatever, like tweet them out or put them uh, in the comment section. And I asked, why does Jerome Robinson appear to be viewed more favorably uh, than Elio Kobo? And he said, I'm not on that side of the aisle necessarily viewing Robinson over Okobo, but I can give you the thinking NBA teams have. Jerome has had an absolutely killer pre-draft process, similar to how CJ McCollum did. Teams are very impressed with him as a highly intelligent human being that they feel like they can trust to continue working on his body and his game. And if you ever get a chance to speak with him, that immediately comes across. Robinson is an absolutely great, thoughtful kid. With his game, he has a walking bucket. It's not easy to be keyed in on every night in the ACC and still drop an efficient 20.7 points. Having said that, I'm a bit worried about the defensive side of the ball as noted above. Just because I'm rooting for him to succeed, I don't feel comfortable changing the evaluation for him on that side of the floor. So uh, I think it's interesting that, one, the Bucks were kind of mentioned as someone, or I guess in multiple mocks, that, that was kind of where Jerome Robinson was. And then in the latest mock on uh, ESPN done by the DX guys, um, Robinson is that is that the is that the um the ESPN Olmyra uh mock draft or or which which mock draft is that? Um I'm not What? <laughs> I'm just asking which ESPN affiliate had that mock draft oh. with Jonathan Gavoni. Oh man, uh you really got me. I did not You're not under- used to these jokes happening in the middle of the podcast no. rather than at the at the beginning. No, I was not ready for that. Um, I'm not sure what ESPN affiliate had it. I'll have to check around a little bit. Uh, but that one with the, I guess, is it just Gavoni's or is it Schmitz and Gavoni? But either way, um, I, Jonathan Gavoni on his latest one had Jerome Robinson all the way up to 13 with the Clippers. And, I mean, it, this is kind of the, I think, the funny time of year where where things start to happen and, you know, guys start to move around and, you know, maybe some of the smoke screens start to disappear and you start to hear a little bit more, but uh, it does seem like for pretty much all intents and purposes, uh, Jerome Robinson is just moving up draft boards, right? It seems like it. I mean, when I saw that, um, and by the way, I said, I think I said Olmeyer, I meant to say Lomira. 
apologies oh, to the, the, okay the, that makes more sense yeah. I, apologies to all the the the, the fair citizens of Lomira Lomirans <laughs> um <laughs> But uh, yeah, I, I I thought it was hilarious reading the latest mock. And again, like, I mean, what do I know, right? But I thought it was funny reading the latest mock and seeing um, Trey Young fall to third among kind of the the trio of of point guards between Shea Gilgis Alexander, uh, Colin Sexton, and, and Young. Whereas Young is has in the past sort of been assumed to be the the, the leader uh, as far as the most likely to get picked first out of that group. Um, in the latest Gavoni mock, he's going 12. So after those three or those other two, and then they have Jerome Robinson going 13, um, just one pick after Trey Young. So, you know, just sort of tells you how sort of, again, weird the draft is, right? Like Trey Young, a guy that like we would never expect to even be in the conversation for, for the bucks at 17. And again, I don't anticipate that changing. Um, you know, all of a sudden is one pick ahead of the guy who over the last weeks, everybody seemed to be saying was, you know, well, the Bucks are seemingly everybody starts to think that that Jerome Robinson is the guy for the Bucks, and 17 seemed pretty high for him. Right. I mean, that, yeah. that seemed high. And now all of a sudden, Jerome Robinson is, you know, potentially a lottery pick and Trey Young is maybe a late lottery pick right right near him. So, again, who knows? Right. Uh, who I knows mean, if he if you'd fly to, to or, the Clippers at 12 and 13. I think you got to start hitting them up, right? Like, oh yeah, you got to start yeah, making sure. serious calls to try to go get Trey Young. I, I certainly would. I mean, I th- I thought it was kind of interesting that they mocked sort of two. I mean, obviously they're different types of players, but um, two but, point I mean, guards to yeah. To I mean, Robinson is like a combo. I mean, I don't know. Maybe he's really more of a shooting guard. I'm not sure. Um, but I, yeah, I did think it was kind of interesting that they had guys who were at least somewhat similar going to a team that. You know, I mean, they also have Beverly and 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 Milos, and you know, I don't know, and and Jawan Evans too, right? Yeah, he's in he's in LA too. So yeah, I, I don't know. Like sometimes I kind of wonder, like, I mean, would the would the Clippers really pick two like point guard combo guard type guys given their current roster? I mean, it seems like you would probably pick one and then pick you know, I don't know Robert Williams or you know, pick some other like a more of a clear cut wing. Even if, but again, I mean, even if, if those are your two top guys on your draft board, I get it, I guess, but. You know, typically, you know, you want to at least give the guys a chance to actually play. Um, so, yeah, it's uh, it's 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 going to be interesting. And and the Bucks going with Zaire Smith, who I don't know if we've talked a lot about him. You mentioned him the other day as a guy that you know maybe has a lot a wide range of outcomes or would seem to, given that he's such a weird prospect. He doesn't really have an um, archetype, which makes him different. Yeah, yeah, I don't I don't really know what to make of him. Um, you watch highlights of him, you would not guess that he's a six four like NBA shooting guard projected. You know, I mean he he plays so much bigger. He's a monster on the offensive boards. He makes, you know, blocks at the rim and just does stuff that guys his size aren't supposed to do. But he's also I mean, the 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 rub is that he doesn't have sort of also the obvious skill set that you expect in a six four guy and that he's not like a proven shooter. I mean he hit what over 40% of his threes, but a super small volume last year. And so the obvious question is, well, you know, is he going to be comfortable shooting the ball or is he going to be a guy that, you know, struggles to kind of translate? So does he turn into, I don't know, like, and and I don't want to act like this is a comp, but like one of the guys I was kind of thinking about was, and he was older when he came out, but you remember KJ McDaniels coming out? I think he was a Mm -hmm. junior at the time of Clemson. And, you know, a lot of, a lot of draft people liked him as, you know, like a late first, early second guy because super athletic, became a, a, a reasonably decent scorer at the college level, 
and blocked shots and got steals and did all this stuff, you know, projected as kind of like really interesting defensive kind of two-way potential guy and just never really put it together, you know, like he could make spectacular plays, but, you know, in terms of having the connective tissue to actually be a good NBA basketball player, just never happened, even though he, he actually looked had some interesting moments as a, as a rookie. So I don't know. I mean, that's the kind of guy that Zaire Smith could be, right? That could be sort of the cautionary tale of, great, you're athletic and you make sweet blocks and <laughs> do weird stuff for a 6'4 guy. Awesome, right? But okay, can you do the things that <laughs> you're expected to do, right? Yeah, um, yeah. You know, I mean, if he's if he's an Avery Bradley style defender or something like that, then uh, you're you're going to find a role, um, and especially if his if his you know shooting in particular comes along. But but that's kind of the challenge with a lot of these guys. And we talked about the Anthony Melton with with Cole. Um, you know, again, shooting is one of the kind of more fluid skills. I mean, it's such a core skill, right? I mean, there's certain guys that you know should be able to do it, right? Um, but then a lot of guys just they don't necessarily look like they're going to be great shooters in college and then just because they were young right they figured it out whereas some of these other skills like you know shot blocking rebounding you know even assists like those things you don't tend to just learn them um over time so um so yeah it's it's been interesting to kind of see some of the mocks and it does seem like uh you know 17 there's been some kind of bright lines as far as guys who we just don't see lasting to the bucks and um, you know, previously I would have said Zaire Smith wasn't really falling to the Bucks in most of these mocks, and obviously maybe, maybe that's changing, right? It seemed like there was that clear grouping of, you know, the Jerome Robinsons, Troy Browns um, were available at the Bucks spot, and and obviously a bunch of other guys to kind of a rash of kind of combo um, guards like the DiVincenzo's, Okogies, Grayson Allen's. All those guys are certainly going to be available, seemingly. Um, but then there's a whole rash of guys like the Bridges brothers, you know, Robert Williams, Zaire Smith. Those guys seem to be, well, you're not going to get those. But again, as we always say, someone inevitably falls on draft night and maybe it'll be one of those guys I just mentioned, or maybe it'll be even somebody who's projected to go higher. Yeah. And it's interesting too, in that DX mock, uh, you see Robert Williams drop to 18 and in San Vicini's he drops all the way to 22. And I got to say that I got, that's a guy I'm interested in. Um, I'm very interested in uh, someone that, you know, potentially could be Clint Capella-ish. Um, but again, that's someone that I think we thought would be gone by then, right? Like, uh, as I put together my definitely gone, almost certainly gone list, like, uh, Williams was near the end of that list but still someone I put in that spot. And um, I don't know, it's just kind of interesting to look at some of the guys falling. Uh, and and again, maybe they're not falling. Like maybe this was their actual way. There's no way of knowing who's falling or rising or anything like that because there are a bunch of smoke screens put up. But just when you see some of these mocks and see some of those guys, like now Miles Bridges is someone who's near the end of the lottery. And again, Miles Bridges is someone that I'm very interested in. I think that's another player um, where at what point do you start thinking about trading up for some of these guys? And um, I am curious if, like you said, we haven't seen the Bucks trade up in, I don't know, a long, long time. Uh, so maybe that just isn't something that they'd be willing to do. But, man, there's a lot of guys that, uh, I mean, I think once you get outside of uh, probably 14-ish, then I think 15 through maybe 15 through 30 is pretty similar, but 
I don't know. I, I think it's just going to be kind of a wild night and uh, it'll, it'll be kind of crazy to see how all this plays out. Um, any final thought take you want to get out uh, since I won't have you tomorrow for our Thursday podcast? Sure. So, you know, typically people say, like, well, who would you want the Bucks to draft or who are your guys, right? I'm going to take a little bit different view. I'm going to say, who are the guys that I want to be picked before the Bucks pick? Because I don't really know what to do with them. Um, and I just thought of this as I was kind of looking at, at the draft. Um, so Sam Sam Vecini in his jump mock actually has Aaron Holiday going 16. I would be totally fine with Aaron Holiday going Please. before the Bucks yes. picked. Um you know, he might be a solid NBA player, right? I mean, his brothers, his, well, especially his eldest brother, Drew, has obviously been a great player. And Holiday's not like a total dwarf. I think he's got like a 6'7 wingspan. I mean, he, he's small but not tiny. Um, and his numbers as like kind of counting stats last year were good. Um, but I, I don't know. I mean, it just there does seem to be this sense that he's maybe not a you know a particularly high-ceiling guy. You got to do some of, stuff at point guard for me to be interested. Yeah, like yeah. I, I understand the appeal if you're the Milwaukee Bucks of trying to find a three and D point guard, which I think Aaron Holiday is, Kyrie Thomas is to an extent, but like I just think you need more at the point guard position. Like if you yeah. can't do some of the stuff that a point guard does, I am not sure I'm totally interested. Yeah, um, I would add Robin Jerome Robinson to the list as well. I'm just man, the stuff about his defense just kind of bumps me out, and yep. and he's an older prospect as well, so. Again, I, I appreciate the high character stuff, and, and hopefully he's a guy that can reach his ceiling. And you know, obviously a, a guy who's a dynamic shooter, especially off the dribble, shooter score, especially if you can play some point, right? Um, that would be very interesting for a, a, a team like the Bucks. But yep. I don't know. I just don't have my my spidey senses a little worried about that one. Um, Troy Brown, we talked about, uh, just not super excited about Troy Brown. Um, and uh, yeah, I don't know. I think. Robert Williams is kind of interesting. I I don't really know what to make of him either. I, you know, I know we've talked a lot about big men and and whether we want, you know, what whether how sort of the changing nature of the league impacts sort of the way we evaluate big men. Um, and I, I come back to just sort of the Giannis question, right? I mean, could Giannis play with Clint Capella? Of course. I mean, he was awesome with John Henson playing playing center most of the year last year, right? Yep. Um, but like investing another first round pick in a guy who's like never going to be able to shoot, like you hope that he can shoot 60% from the foul line. Right. That's yep. kind of, I think where we are with Robert Williams. Um, I don't know. I mean, if, if the bucks, you know, if, if, if Giannis didn't exist and Jabari Parker was like the bucks power forward of the future, you know, four man of the future, then I think Robert Williams makes a lot more sense <laughs> to me because yeah. you need somebody who can defend and protect the rim and rebound in the middle. Um, but when Giannis is your four and you really would rather, you know, have shooting around him, um, man, it's it's a lot tougher for me to kind of get my arms around it. But again, I, I mean, he's he is an interesting player. Right. And and certainly the you know, again, it kind of a lot of it comes down to sort of how you perceive the the push and pull supply and demand of, of bigs and kind of modern NBA. Um, other than that, um, I don't know if there's anybody else that I. That could you know could possibly be available at the Bucks spot that the Bucks might pick. I'm not really a Dante Divincenzo guy. I don't know. I'm just skeptical. Uh, he's a he's also an older prospect. He's a played played three years at, at Villanova. Um, uh, there's too much scrappiness going th- on there. The pick I, I that terrifies know. me most, Mitchell Robinson, hands down. I you know I have to say, um, Mitchell Robinson. I saw interviews with him. Doesn't necessarily seem like the smartest um, knife in the drawer. The whole history of him and the college thing is, you know, doesn't necessarily speak well to his 
judgment, let's say. Um, and, and that stuff matters just because, again, it's like from a development standpoint. I mean, you don't need a road scholar, um, you know, to, yep. to, to, to you know, you're not going to find necessarily that guy. But, you know, having a guy that you can trust to make good decisions, to be diligent, to really max out his potential. I mean, that does obviously that that's a huge thing, right? And having somebody who has a good head on their shoulders, at least, you know, from a, you know, being hardworking and, and a, a good teammate, all that other stuff. I mean, that's important. I, again, I don't know if Mitchell Robinson is a red flag in any of those departments. I'm not going to try to cast too many aspersions on him, but you don't get the sense that he's a, a cerebral player or, you know, like whatever. Um, but, and, and I have to say as well, like watching him, I, I don't, I mean, watching just the, you know, the, the AAU kind of high school stuff, I don't know. Like he doesn't necessarily seem like I don't. I don't really see like big man who develops like shooting skill yeah. or like really polished. Like that. There's something about like the way he kind of moves and shoots and and handles the ball. Like I, I don't necessarily see that. But you look at some of his stats. You know his numbers at the you know EYBL, which is like the Nike kind of AU equivalent and the AU numbers. I mean his numbers are insane. Like his rebound and shot blocking numbers. I think he had the highest rebound rate of like anybody in the five or six years of, of EYBL. I think shot blocking was like second of anybody ever. Um, the guy was super productive. And so again, like, I mean, he's seven one frame wise, no questions about that. Um, I don't know. He's interesting. Cause again, he's sort of, he's definitely different from Williams and that we haven't seen him at the college level. Um, but I don't know. I, I, I could talk myself into him, I guess. Ooh, I but cannot. I, I could just because, again, like I just haven't seen him, I think. Yeah. I mean, I, I'd be worried that he shows up in Vegas and just looks like a total disaster, and then you're like, oh, God, what have we done? <laughs> um, but uh, but I, and the other thing, too, is it's like, man, you draft a center, so do you have a move lined up to get rid of John Henson at yeah. this point? Are you waiving Tyler Zeller and his non-guaranteed salary that you gave up a freaking second-round pick for? Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, again, like, not not that you want to, you want obviously you don't want to draft for need, um, but you, you got to think about what the next move is there because drafting Mitchell Robinson to have him be your you know fourth-string center, um, that again, like, that's not really setting him him up to succeed either, right? Um, yeah. and, and that's important, you know, when you when you talk about drafting, it's not just pick the best player and then, you know, don't worry about the fact that you've got eight guys that play his position, right? I mean, yep. some, something's got to give. You got to, if you invest in a guy, you want to put him in a position to succeed. So, see, I don't know. I'm, I, I have a weird, as much as I'm like kind of skewing more anti-big guy with, with him and maybe, maybe it's just the sexy unknown aspect of it, you know, I guess I could talk myself into it. Um, <laughs> Gary, uh, Gary Wolf reported that the Bucks took, I think Mitchell Robinson, Aaron Holiday, and somebody else. Mo Wagner. Oh, Mo Wagner, who should never be mentioned as a potential first-round pick. Um, yeah, I. Uh, who knows? So, bring it on, man. Let's get this draft over with. All right, that's going to be it from Frank Madden before the draft. Frank will rejoin on Thursday night, or at least that's the hope. If uh, as long as the Bucks don't make us wait too long to talk to John Horst, otherwise. Uh, 
might have to punt on Frank and uh, just deal with me on Thursday night on draft night. Uh, I will be hanging out at the Milwaukee Bucks practice center uh, as they get ready to announce their pick on Thursday, but that's going to be it for Frank before then. I still got to figure out what I'm going to do with tomorrow night's episode, um, but we'll figure that out. So you have something fresh and interesting for Thursday morning and to get you ready for the draft on Thursday night for Frank, man, I'm Eric name. This has been lockdown bucks. We'll talk to you tomorrow.